Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. Today's show, we've got some news to get to before recapping um, the Illinois contest, which was a very good game for Wisconsin on Saturday. About what we expected, the offense looked a little bit better, defense looks good as always, and it resulted in a nice 24-0 win for the Badgers. So we'll get into that. We've got some Jalen Berger news, of course, to discuss. We've got a little bit of basketball news that we'll start with. So it should be a fun and full episode get you guys started this week. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. I'm just still kind of ride, riding high from that college football Saturday. It was such a wild day from start to finish. There was great games in every like TV window, and it just really lived up to everything that you'd hope for in like a college football week. That was about as good as it's going to get. Um, so I'm doing well. How about you? Yeah, it was a, it was a great Saturday for if you're a college football fan, that's why you love the sport right there for the day that transpired um, over the course of the entire day. NFL Sunday was great, of course, a thrilling win for the Packers, um, despite them doing every um, giving Cincinnati every chance to to lose the or to lose that game to Cincinnati. So that was a, a thriller. And then today, unfortunately, the Brewers uh, once again laid an egg. So uh, thankfully, Wisconsin and and Green Bay were able to pick up victories to carry the state a little bit, and we'll see what the Brewers can do in game four but yeah it was it was quite the weekend for um for for the football slate um both in in college and in pro level so with that why don't we go ahead and get into some of that discussion but before we talk about football we'll touch up real quickly on some basketball news in terms of recruiting uh forward owen freeman uh a badger recruit it was on the wisconsin radar uh, for quite some time it ended up committing to iowa uh, unfortunately for the badger so that's another lost recruit um, in that uh, group that Greg Gard was so highly going after. Not all that surprising. I know he had a visit to Iowa and Wisconsin. It seems like those were the two schools kind of mainly in the running, but unfortunately the Badgers went the opposite way. What do you make of that decision, and, and where do you think Wisconsin uh, basketball kind of goes from here in terms of recruiting and kind of focuses in on it? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a kid that they were interested in that I think was a a kid with a, a lot of upside when you look at kind of what he was athletically um, out of Illinois. Uh, in the end, you're going to win, you're going to lose some here. But I, I do think that because he's a 2023 kid, you, you're probably now looking at the Badgers turning up the heat a little bit on um, Gus Yaldon, uh, the Gus mm-hmm. bus, and, and maybe seeing if they can finish him off um, because I know he's coming in for an official visit here in, in the coming weeks as well. So I, I think that's where um, you'll probably see the Badgers turn their attention is um, towards him in that 2023 class because now that Freeman is no longer in the picture. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you talk about Gussie Alden's a guy that they've they've had on their board for, for quite some time. I wouldn't want to say they're prioritizing one guy over the other, but it seems like they've always been very interested in, in kind of a uh, cohesive relationship between those two. And if you end up landing a guy like that, you know, some of these other misses that are right now are, are being a little bit magnified just because they're misses. If you ended up, you know, landing a kid like him in that group, all of a sudden 
Um, you know, it's not as glaring of an issue that, oh my gosh, Wisconsin basketball isn't landing these players. I think if you get the guy that you really, um, honed in after in, in a guy like Gus Yaldin, all of a sudden this other stuff, I mean, Wisconsin basketball recruiting is a lot different than football where you're not taking as many players. So to, to miss on one, but hit on another is, is not, um, I guess a super big concern if that's the way the cards end up falling. Yeah, and, and I think you look at it, I think Gus Yeldon will probably be the better college player, um, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, I do think though that Owen Freeman has a much higher ceiling where, where he could be, um, a player that could maybe rise up just because of he's got a little, he's a little taller, um, and, and maybe has some other refined aspects of it or unrefined aspects of his game. Whereas Yeldon's kind of more of a polished, um, player that's going to probably be able to come in and help you out right away. But I, I, I'm interested to see what happens now in Yaldin's recruitment now that I think Wisconsin is kind of um, going to be putting most of their eggs in that basket now for a big man. Yeah, that'll be certainly a, a storyline to watch in that class as they move forward here for Wisconsin basketball. So a little bit of basketball news again, once again, that uh, that season's right around the corner. Um, we'll be hopping into a lot of basketball coverage here shortly, as well as continuing on with football stuff. And speaking of football stuff, We've got some news, some big news that kind of, I don't want to say overshadowed the Badgers win, but took a lot of attention away from what was a very big win. And that was the dismissal of running back Jalen Berger, of course, throughout this entire season. I think both you and I probably kind of thought there was something going on here. I mean, you talk about Jalen Berger, four-star kid out of New Jersey, played a lot last year in the, in the condensed season. Looked like a really promising prospect. So to go from that to almost non-existent throughout the first you know, you know, part of this season, I think a lot of people expected there was something going on. Eventually announced a dismissal in terms of the reasons why. Really not getting a lot from Wisconsin football. I know in Paul Chris Presser today he was asked about it at length, quite a few questions about it. Really did not give a, a ton of insight as to what happened there, but. It's ultimately, we at least have some answers into there was something going on behind the scenes. What it may be, we're not sure, but it led to a dismissal of a, a very promising player that was up and coming for Wisconsin. Didn't work out this year, and we, we kind of expected something to eventually be announced, but uh, here it is in the form of the dismissal. So what did you make of, of that storyline and and what maybe transpired for Wisconsin football in that running back room? Yeah, I mean, just everything that's happened in that running back room this year has been pretty crazy, and and I think it 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 definitely signals something has been going on for a while. Um, and it's tough to see talented players like they had. I mean, three guys no longer with the program for various reasons, um, none of which are good, right? Like it's not something to where um anything positive was was going on here. Uh, Colton Bartholomew of the Wisconsin State Journal and Madison.com. Uh, put out an article today, basically shedding some light on what, what happened about him off the field stuff, being upset with Malusi coming in, feeling like he deserved to be the number one guy and then going ahead and, um, not being, uh, there for on time for practices and other things, um, workouts, um, kind of being a prima donna in a lot of ways. And, uh, I, I, I think you look at that and that sends a, a pretty negative tone for the rest of the team. So for Paul Chris to go ahead and do this, he must have felt as though it was in the best interest of everyone. And, you know, you, you look at Berger and he's a talented kid. I also look at it though. He, he hasn't necessarily done, um, anything amazing. Like you look at it, his, his longest run for his career isn't anything crazy. Like he, 
this this season specifically, um, he's had opportunities and really you look at him statistically and he probably is their third or fourth best running back. He's averaging 3.7 yards per carry, whereas Ches Malusi's averaging five, Braylon Allen six, Isaac Grendel seven. Grendel's is skewed because of that 82 yarder. But you look at this and I mean, you knew something was going on off the field to have it where he missed, didn't play in two games, but um, I was surprised that it led to an outright dismissal. You thought maybe you could try to get him back um, on the straight and narrow, but it seems like Paul Christ and him um, had differences of opinions, and it's uh, he's on to, to maybe Rutgers or somewhere else. Yeah, you got to think if, if Jalen Berger hits the transfer portal, that's probably going to be one of the first calls that he receives because he is a talented player. Um, in in a lot of ways, but you have to be there, and and I think the you know the term prima donna prima donna is is certainly something that that's what it seems like in a lot of situations. But I don't know if he was necessarily in a situation to to have that type of attitude going forward. I mean, no college football player is, but there's sometimes where I'm guessing there's some guys like that across college football. But if you're a really talented player that's doing a lot um, for a team on the field, maybe you get a little bit more leniency with something like that. But when you're in a situation like him, a young player that, you know, I, I, I think back to a couple of weeks ago, I believe, I can't remember after which game it was, but Paul Chris was kind of asked about um, the carries and how they were be giving up. And, and he mentioned, he kind of hinted, you know, that the certain players got to earn it to be on the field. And that, so that when you look back, that was maybe some foreshadowing to this situation where, um, you know, the reports of, of him not, you know, being on time for practice or missing workouts, things like that, all of a sudden, you know, you, you see the situation where maybe that was likely um, what led to at least a boiling point to where it eventually got to a dismissal. Because I'd have to imagine you want to do as much as you can as a football program and for, for Paul Chris to accommodate and have, a play, you know, again, a four-star player that showed some promise early in his career. You want to try and keep do everything you can to keep a player like that on the roster. But Eventually, if there's situations that arise that you know ultimately hurt the rest of the team, or if there's issues that are continually popping up and taking focus away from the the task at hand, which is winning football games, it's hard to put up with that for so long. So you knew that there was something going on. It sounds like you know it's not like Jalen Berger hasn't played at all. He did get some chances, get some opportunities, but eventually it seems like it's gotten to where this situation hit hit a breaking point where it was either going to be you know. You know, this sort of dismissal, which it ultimately got to, or something would have to change. And uh, unfortunately for, for both sides, it uh, didn't work out, but maybe a change of scenery will, will be best for Berger and, and he moves forward. But, and, and thankfully for Wisconsin, while I know the numbers are now a little light in the running back room, Braylon Allen, of course, have came on strong. So that helps you. But yeah, it's certainly a, a odd situation that uh, transpired here and in not just Jalen Berger's case, but the entire uh, running back issues that they've been having uh, for the for the past couple months now. Yeah, 100%. And, and hopefully Gary Brown can get this group, you know, dialed in and focused because uh, losing three guys, regardless of um, circumstances, is, is not a great look, not only for the team, um, not only for him as a position coach, but, but also just overall. Um, this is something that Wisconsin needs to kind of clean up and and it opens up a couple extra scholarships, which I think is a good thing. You've got a kid coming in for an official visit this weekend um, against Army. So I think that should help you out. Um, there's a lot more potential playing time uh, down the line for, for a kid like Jay Not, But I am fascinated to kind of see what the repercussions of, of this are and kind of 
what happens to Jalen Berger because does a team like Rutgers take a flyer on him, um, knowing, hey, he's closer to home, closer to family in, in Newark that maybe it could help him out? Or do they see the red flags and get a, get the reports from Paul Christ as, hey, it's probably not worth it? Um, it, it's going to be interesting. But right now, I, I just think that you look at it, talented kid, but if, if it's going to poison the locker room, you just, you don't deal with that. No, absolutely. You just, you, you have to, like, like you said, you, he's got to earn a, a way on the field. You can't have these type of situations arise and, and hurting other aspects of the team. And, and from at least the limited amount of reports that we've gotten and seen, it sounded like that situation was starting to transpire a little bit. So uh, it seems like maybe it's best for, for both sides for this parting to uh, eventually take place, but certainly a big surprising story from the weekend. And that kind of bleeds into, um, Monday's presser with Paul Christ, I would say. Probably it was only about 12, 12, 13 minutes. I would say six minutes of it, about half was, was focused on the running back room. And you could tell he was maybe getting a little, little agitated uh, about the situation because there was a lot of questions about that. Um, did you take anything else away from that presser? Because it was mostly Jalen Berger. Um, there were maybe a few other interesting tidbits about the army game, but the, the focus seemed primarily on, on that situation and, and how it might unfold and transpire in the future. Yeah, I, I I feel as though everybody did what they could to to try to pry it out of Chris, and he he st- stood his ground. He wasn't going to share any with anything with that. Um, but um, I I think the main thing that I took from from it was the fact that they went ahead and and did some practicing against the option in the spring mm-hmm. as well as in the summer um, to build some things in or end in the fall. Because I mean, you you look at what Army does, and it's such a very different. Um, offense uh, under Munkin. So I, I think that's a positive thing, but that was the main thing. They also, the name Julius Davis came up, which was interesting. Um, so we'll see if he can kind of bounce back after um, a couple injuries have just really kind of hampered his development. Um, and, and so really Paul Chris was going to do the runaround no matter what. He wasn't going to, going to tip his hand, but it is what it is. Um, but I, but I do think the fact that they've looked forward and plan for this matchup ahead of time because it's so different is, is positive. Yeah, that, that's absolutely huge. I mean, you look at any time a, a team is playing uh, this triple option attack, which, you know, now you're talking this college football is essentially down to three, four teams that really run this. And if you haven't played against it, it's, it's really a, a different look than what you're seeing. So it's good to know that there was some prep previously to, to, to try and get ready for this because not only is it so different of a look, but you know, Jim Leonard's defense predicates, you know, on, on, on going after plays with a blitz where all of a sudden you're going to be changing your defensive, um, scheme and plan up quite, quite differently from what you've had in, in weeks past. So it's good to know that there has been some preps and, and getting ready for this game because it's just going to be such a different look. Wisconsin has a ton of talent defensively and they've played really well, but this is going to be such a different attack from what you've seen. So it's good to know that there's been some plan in place and now it's about execution as you move forward here um, just kind of a little bit of a fascinating detail when you look at how college football kind of works and, and what transpires getting ready not only for um, you know the, the, the week in front of you but also prepping for um, you know a game like this you know oftentimes when teams take on a triple option team they like to have maybe a bye week before that or take them on early in the season so you get some prep but Wisconsin's got the unfortunate circumstance of going from you know, two tough conference games. You know, Illinois was uh, not much of a challenge, but that's still on the road, getting ready for a different team. 
to now hop back into non-conference play to try and take on a triple option um, team, which will be a, a tall task. But I'm looking forward to see how this defense um, goes out and gets ready and attacks uh, against this Army offense. The other thing that kind of popped up from today in terms of media availability was the um, preliminary status report. So Logan Bruss, still questionable after missing last week. Isaac Arendo, still um, questionable after missing last week. And then Mascalunas back up inside linebackers, questionable. And Jack Jack Van Dyke, the kicker, um, kickoff specialist specifically, also out. Um, or I'm also questionable. And then Jack Eschenbach is just ruled out. So I think we're going to see some more of the younger tight ends. Um, a guy like Clay Cundiff continue to see an expanded role. I, I think those were the main things to take away from today. Yeah, absolutely. Those injuries will all be, you know, certainly ones to watch for to see if some of those guys are going to be available as they move forward. Um, of course, some big names on there, even some some guys that maybe aren't huge contributors, but are still kind of in that rotation and in playing playing pretty well, so that'll be something to keep an eye on as the week moves forward to see if any of these guys are, are going to be ready for what should be an interesting challenge against the Army Black Knights on Saturday. All right, with that, um, are you ready to hop into this Illinois-Wisconsin uh, really dominating performance from the Badgers on one side of football, one side um, in terms of the running game was good, so we can uh, go ahead and we'll take it wherever you want to go. Where do you want to start with this uh, Illinois recap? Uh, well, first of all, the fact that after getting poked in the eye, um, Joe <laughs> Tipman had a visor on as a center was just a thing of beauty. Um, I just couldn't get over that um, when you see when you see it in photos and during the game. But I, I really think the the main thing was just what we saw from this offensive line in the running game. I think that really stood out. What did you make of that? Yeah, I think they looked really good. I mean, you you. We were hoping to eventually see, I mean, when we talked about what we were going to expect to see from this game, we thought maybe Wisconsin would need to air it out a little bit more, would take to the air. But when you're running the ball the way that they did, sometimes, you know, you, you just keep turning and handing it off, keep turning and handing it off, and, and continue to just run the ball, um, you know, down their throat. So I think that was a much-needed game plan and execution. I still think we'll, we'll talk about the passing game in a little bit. still think maybe some confidence needs to be gained there, but, up front, we talked about it on Thursday. This was a game that you wanted to see that type of performance. You wanted to see some of these guys get some confidence, and I still and I think they really did gain that. I know the offensive line was a little bit banged up, but the guys that were in there were playing and performing much better. You got huge games from Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen, both over 100 yards. So I think that's a really net positive as you try to move forward with this run game. And, and continue to, to work and work to develop what they used to be or what they've been over years past. Because so far this season, we have not seen that dominating type of run performance, and we saw just a traditional good old-fashioned turn turn and run the damn ball this past Saturday, and Wisconsin did a good job of it. So um, I think that was what Wisconsin fans and Wisconsin players needed to finally have some confidence um, going forward after what was been a really tough start to the season. Especially confidence for that offensive line. You know, they were missing, missing Bruss. So you got Bort over there in, uh, Tanner Bordellini over in right tackle. But I, I thought really that group, you know, took a nice step after, um, after some really tough games. You know, they did not look good in some of the, the recent games against Notre Dame and Michigan. But I thought that they dominated up front and really just kind of dictated the, the offense for Wisconsin. You saw zero sacks. 
You saw them just running at a high clip, 6.4 yards per carry. Um, a lot of that's due to your your offensive line. I thought they looked really good. Competition level is totally different, right? Like, mm. and that's that's obvious. Illinois is not nearly the defense that they have been going against. Um, but really, I, I look at this and I, I I am hopeful for this offensive line that hopefully they've turned a corner. Maybe the the downtick in competition, they can do this. I was blown away that Illinois did not adjust to anything defensively. Like that was just a coaching nightmare. I, I couldn't couldn't believe that that they didn't say, okay, well make Graham Mertz to beat us, but they didn't. Um and and really um focusing back to the running backs, I, I thought the play of Malusi and Allen, you know, as a one two punch there was pretty good. Malusi seemed to run really hard. Um, harder than we've seen. Um, he really struggled in that game against Michigan. And for him to bounce back and, and put together a really strong performance, I think is a positive. And, and really Braylon Allen was the story just because, uh, he hadn't gotten a lot of reps. He, he started to flash. We both talked about how we thought he was going to be the player to watch and that we'd be talking about after this, after that game. But for to actually see it, for him to look so good, the fumble wasn't great. Those are things you're going to expect. Um, and um, after he kind of got blown up in the hole and, and looked kind of timid on that one run, from there on he put his head down and, and he was the one taking it to the defense. So I, you love, I love what I see out of him in terms of his balance and and patience and his ability to run um, and break tackles and fall forward. I mean, he did some really nice things. In that game, we know about his size. We know about his age more than anything because that's brought up on the damn telecast every 10 seconds. But um, he's a really talented kid, and I, I think it's good to have, uh, you know, two players who are very different in terms of their skill sets, their sizes, and, and the way in which they run in Lucy and Allen. And I think that's a probably a good duo to kind of run with the rest of the way um, going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think they complement each other really well. I mean, you've got one guy who's who's more of your speed shifty back, and then you've got just a guy that, well, you know, still has some speed, but really is it's just a bruiser in there and can really run through guys. And it's crazy that the younger one, the 17-year-old, is the big bruiser. But yeah, I, I think his age seems to be a, a main topic of conversation. We had some family friends over when we were watching the game, and I just kept saying, man, he's only 17. He's only 17 because it's really just a a huge story when you think about you know how how hard it takes to, to to get into college football and produce at a high level and to be doing that a year earlier than what um you know most of the freshmen across there across the country are doing it is is pretty pretty damn impressive for for Braylon Allen. I'm hoping that we continue to see uh, more of him. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Those guys are a nice one to punch, complement each other really well. And and he gives you, you know, in Braylon Allen's case, he gives you something a little bit different, which I think you were when you were looking at a guy like Ches Malusi to go with Jalen Berger, kind of similar styles of run versus now you have some some guys that do some things a little bit different. Then you add in Isaac Arendo's got some run, but he can almost be a, a third completely different player just based on a kind of a combo of both of them of just pure speed and a little bit of power that way as well. So I think the running back room, you have to feel confident about what they're going to bring going forward. That offensive line looked a lot better to open up their holes, and all of a sudden the run game starts to look more like what we've seen from Wisconsin. Now, part of that, again, is the quality of competition. Illinois just did, like you said, did not make adjustments, and Wisconsin has played some really good teams to start, so it's probably not going to be that that good in terms of the running game week in and week out, but it's a step in the right direction to hopefully feel better about 
what this program is built on, and that's running the football. They need to have those type of performances to be the football team that they want to be. Yeah, I mean, regardless of who you're playing, to put down 391 on the ground mm-hmm. and three touchdowns is a positive sign when you consider how this offensive line, how this running game had looked the past few games. Um, also, Brady Shipper, uh, he, he looked good in, in pass pro, which I think you looked at the running back position, and that was an area that they had struggled with um, the past few games as well. Um, once again, competition level, completely different. But um, if if he's going to be your third down guy to come in and, and blocking situations, get spotty touches um, in, in the running game, he, he, he did well in that role. Maybe that's a spot for him moving forward as well when you have Malusi and Allen. Um, still, still both guys, when you look at it, both came in and during the summer. So, like, it, they're midway through this year, a little less than midway through this year. So they're still probably um, figuring out a lot of different pieces to this offense. So to have a guy who's been in the program for a while as a junior, a redshirt junior at that, um, to, to be able to, to block up front can, can maybe be a good way to, to kind of move forward. And um, it was interesting to see that they went that direction. But really, when Grendo's out, that's kind of the direction you have to go because bodies are starting to um, fall and you just don't have as many bodies to go to. To go off of that, we've talked a little lot about the run game and the offensive line, so why don't we now take it over to the passing game a little bit because I, I think that's the other fascinating part to talk about with this offense. You, know, you and I both expected it to maybe be aired out a little bit more with Graham Mertz and uh, you know the, the Illinois passing um, defense that was was certainly the Achilles heel to their defense so far, but clearly the run game was working well enough that they didn't need to rely on that. But I still think in terms of the passing game, we're still hoping to see some things work out. Graham Merch just 10 for 19, 100 yards, interception, and no touchdowns. What did you make uh, of the pa- his performance in the passing game? Because I think it looked better at times. There was, a, again, a couple few plays late in the second half where some things looked better and, and worked out, but there were still some throws where you know, I don't know if he was – it definitely seemed like he was playing through uh, some, through the injury a little bit, maybe a little gun shy on that, but there were still some throws where it, it seemed like an easy one, that it looked a lot harder, and there were some times where a, a hard throw got through there and all of a sudden looked better. So it's hard to really know <laughs> where we're at in, in terms of Graham Mertz and in his performance and the passing game performance. So what did you take uh, of that group's uh, game on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, Mertz inconsistencies continue to mm-hmm. kind of pop up, and I think that's the the main thing you can you know really glean from this offense in terms of the passing game. You mentioned it. Illinois is one of the worst teams in passing defense in the entire country. So for Wisconsin to struggle in that area, I I think is once again pause for concern, right? Like it's not a great look. The running game was on, which was great. It's They've got to get a little bit of balance here um, to a certain point. You mentioned it. Mertz had flashes, and, and that's always been the case, where we've mm-hmm. seen the three to four throws that you're like, holy crap, that is that is a, like a high-level throw, right? Like that is the type of throw that you might not have seen from um, Jack Cohn or some of the other quarterbacks that we've seen at Wisconsin, but then you also see just completely – Missing wide open guys. Um, you know, that, that, that deep ball to Ferguson was, was just really bad. Like there's no other way to really put it, right? Like it was, he was wide open and we, you saw Michigan, or I mean, Iowa hit on a huge play just like that. The exact same play design, everything. Um, 
and he he's just got to be a little bit better. I know he's playing through the injury, but the offensive line gave him time, right? Like the, he wasn't sacked at all. I know that there was a couple of times where there was a hand in his face here or there, but for the most part, there were guys open. He once again locked on to some guys from time to time, and he even brought that up um, today in post game. I saw that tweeted out that he had Danny Davis wide open for probably a touchdown, and he threw it to Chimray DK, who was in in double coverage. So it's one of those things where he, he's got to get to a point where he trusts what he's seeing and and really is able to see the entire field and and hit the guys who are open because. There are guys open in, in this offense, and that has been the problem all year long. Um, and, and with the offensive line looking better against a really bad pass defense, I, I just think you were hoping for a little bit more, I guess you should say. Um, and, and hopefully that injury continues to heal. He's feeling more confident, gets back to, in a rhythm, but, um, he, he's got to just string together some of those really positive throws that you see. Um, more often than than some of these other throws that you look at and you're like, man, that was just way off, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the the consistency is something that has to be uh, a lot better, and and they're gonna need more. And I, I think that was the point that that you hit on is that you you wanted to see more, you expected more, and going forward, you're gonna need more than than what this this team put out in in terms of the passing offense um, this past week. I mean, yes. When you have the the run game going like that, and you can run and turn it high, hand it off, and you can pick up you know five six yards of pop and, and really dominate that way, that's great. But that Illinois defense was clearly not as talented as the ones we faced, and we've seen what happens when they face a talent defense. And and now you're going to be going up against a Army group while that you know is is ranked third in the country in terms of rush defense. Now they've played some pretty weak opponents so far this year in, in terms of the run game, and Wisconsin will certainly be a test for them, but when you look at something like that and you're going against run defense that, that's pretty solid, eventually you're going to have to rely on the pass and, and be able to feel more comfortable going to the air. Because I was, I'd say that's the other thing. While you know they, they only threw it, they didn't throw it a ton. And when they did, it was you know they tried to make it some easy throws. Now I don't know how much the injury and in, in him being banged up goes into that, and maybe it was similar to. Maybe they felt like he was able to go out there and run the offense and make a few throws and, and they could win it with the run game, similar to like last year at Michigan where they did they did enough to throw the ball and then they just turned and handed off and, and picked it up and, and won the game that way. But moving forward, you wanted to see at least a step further in the right direction, see him get some more confidence, see him make some plays and, and pick up some chunk yardage. And you didn't. So now all of a sudden you're going into another week where you're just not sure what you're going to get from the passing offense. And that is, is troublesome and worrisome when you, when you have a team that right now is struggling offensively already, got a little bit better, but still seems at, at best definition as, as one dimensional. So we'll have to see once again what this passing offense can do uh, against this army team that while the, you know, the numbers say, you know, they're a good run defense and, and certainly the Badgers will be a bigger test, but you're going to need to take to the air, I have to imagine, at some point. Yeah, there's going to be a game where a team similar to what we saw from Notre Dame and what we saw against from Michigan, where they just loaded the box and they said, you got to beat us. And eventually that's going to have to happen. Um, and who knows if it'll be this upcoming weekend. But I, I, I do agree with you that eventually it's going to happen because teams are going to do it, which is why I was so flabbergasted that Illinois didn't even try it. They didn't make any adjustments, which is, is definitely on Burt. Um, but I, I think this offense showed some positive signs. 
some positive um, development, some positive movement in the right direction. But, but yeah, there's still things to clean up, and there always is um, after these games. And, and really, it's hard to glean too much because you're playing Illinois. You didn't need to pass. I mean, at this point, when you look at it, Illinois isn't much better than that Eastern Michigan team that they played um, earlier in the, in the year, and we saw the same game plan um, in that game. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, you look at those two teams, Eastern Michigan, you, you might, uh, you might see those, if you, those two matched up, you could see almost Eastern Michigan being a favorite in that game. And, and it's just been, um, maybe that's more telling of just where Illinois has fallen to compared to where Wisconsin, um, is right now. But still, some positives offensively, some things to, to certainly clean up and we'll see what they bring, um, as they get ready for this Army game. Switching gears now, we can talk defense a little bit. I think, that was the other big storyline is just this defense continues to to suffocate and and really do some some great things. There's maybe a few things you could nitpick if you wanted to, but overall this defense continues to look incredibly sound and looks to be as good as they are week in and week out. I mean, they're just dominating. Um so what did you make uh, of that defensive performance that pitched their uh, their shutout of this season? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a really good performance. You look at it, Illinois had 93 total yards, couldn't get anything going with either quarterback. I mean, at one point, Art Sertkowski hadn't completed a pass. He was like 0 for 11 to start. Um, Brandon Peters had only got sacked once. So, like, as a defense, there were some things that I'm sure they would like to have back. They they were at the quarterback. They were close frequently, but, but being able to finish is another thing. But really, the run game continues to just be – um, amazing at this point, or run defense, I should say. You look at it, Chase Brown had that 23-yarder, but you you take that away, and and they have three net yards rushing. Like that's pretty impressive um, for this for this defense. And and really, you look at it, and they're doing everything that you'd hope. I thought Wisconsin secondary did some nice things as well. Um, we mentioned that Colin, I, I said Colin Wilder would have a big game and he would maybe pick off, get an interception or John Torchio. And boy, did they have chances. Um, so I, I think that if there's one, you know, way to nitpick this defense is that they still got to start making those flash plays. And Jim Leonard brought it up today that, uh, they, they got to start catching the damn ball because they've had so many opportunities. I mean, Scott Nelson had a, a pick six in, in the bag if he, intercepted the ball against Michigan. This team has had opportunities. They just need to take advantage of them. That would be the one thing that you want from this defense, especially when you look at their turnover margin as a team right now. It's still dead last in FBS um, at negative two. And, and most of that is because of the offense's inability to get out of their own way at times. But the defense hasn't helped them out in that area um, as well, where they just haven't been able to to really get turnovers this year. So I think that's the only nitpick from it. But other, overwise, I mean, it was just a dominating effort overall. Yeah, I think what you mentioned though, in terms of turnovers, is a fair point of you know slight critique that you know as you move forward, you know you can get away with you know you can get away with not forcing turnovers, but uh, trying to get some more pressure and, and creating some of those plays will certainly give you a boost. And when you're talking about an offense that is continuing to struggle, it's hard to ask for more from the defense. I think that's a, a consensus. Like, okay, yeah, you know, they held them zero points, but what more can you give me? But that just shows you where this offense is and, and where they're at and struggling. So turnovers would be certainly something that you could keen in on and say, you know, what could this defense be if they get that? But again, it, it feels very, 
very nitpicky as you move forward with this group uh, to see where they're at. And, and that's maybe the one thing that they're trying to focus in on is getting more pressure, creating some more of those turnovers. And we probably won't see that again this week when you're talking about you're going against a triple option attack. You're not going to be blitzing and, and stuff um, compared to that. So maybe some forced fumbles or, or, or things like that. But overall, uh, we'll probably have to wait and see uh, another week as to whether or not this uh, defense can start to make some of those plays and those turnovers. But when you hold an opponent to virtually nothing on offense and, and hold them to shut out, it's hard to really critique much of what's been, once again, another dominating performance from this group. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? I thought Noah Burks and, and Nick Herbig from their outside linebacker spots really played well, um, and specifically Burks, because at this point we know what Nick Herbig is. Nick Herbig's a stud. He's been playing really well all year long. He is their energizer bunny off the edge and helps them out so much. But you look at it, and Burks had a really good game. He led the team in tackles, led the team in tackles for loss, recorded a half of a sack, had three QB hurries, right? He was involved frequently. And he's the guy that I know that oftentimes gets overlooked by us, by everybody, because he he has kind of missed out on opportunities at times, hasn't been able to put up together the numbers that you'd maybe hope for from an outside um, edge player. But he really had a solid game, and I think he did was deserving of mention in this. But, but yeah, I think you look at um, – it's nice to have pass breakups, but um, it, it's one thing to, to have ten pass breakups. It's another thing to get maybe your hands on that ball and then maybe get an interception. Because I, I think three turnovers through, through uh, five games is just not enough for how good this defense is, and that's the only thing they really need to work on. And, and I think that maybe it's – you can get lucky against Army – um, and with a couple of forced fumbles, like you mentioned, but but overall, this defense is just will continue to keep them in every game. It's just a matter of the offense doing their part to kind of help them out. All right, we've talked offense, we've talked defense, and special teams was was I think something that wasn't a focal point, which is always a, a good thing. After anything else, really stand out to you from this game before we uh, wrap things up? Nothing really. I, I I just think that this is one of those um, this was one of those games where. It's you don't want to glean too much from it just because it was Illinois. They have been struggling this year, but but I do think that it was positive steps that I think you need to hope that the Badgers can carry over and continue um, moving um, because you you want to get that flywheel going and then eventually um, it, it works and and hopefully the run game can keep keep things going. Hopefully the defense can can continue to just be the best in the country in run defense because this weekend against Army is going to be a fun one, I think. Yeah, it should be a fascinating matchup for a lot of different ways, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing that. But in terms of Illinois, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of a classic Wisconsin game, a strong defensive effort, ran the ball well, put up enough points to win, and held the opponent to nothing. So you can you can always uh, rely on you know a couple games like that a year where Wisconsin just can kind of, suffocate the opponent and do it enough on offense to to run away with things so I like that you mentioned it's it's hard to take too much from it I think this game was huge in terms of getting some confidence back getting these guys hopefully rolling hopefully that performance while they're worth some things you can critique overall was pretty solid and hopefully that can build into this army game they can put together another you know all of a sudden you maybe you come out you play well against army win that game all of a sudden you're talking a win streak you know two in a row Maybe that leads to 3-0, and and then hopefully this group can continue to gain some confidence as we move forward. But other than that, you know, that's really about all you can take. Still things that we, we hope to see improvement on, but overall it's it's a 24-0 win. 
it was a you know pretty solid game from start to finish in that regard. So it's hard to to take too much um, from a victory like that. So with that, I, I think that pretty much wraps up our coverage of this Illinois game, guys. So thank you as always for listening. We'll of course be back with you later in the week to preview what should be that fascinating contest between Army, the triple option, Wisconsin's defense. Uh, not not going to be a ton of possessions in that game, but should be a really fun um, you know thing to watch in terms of the everything that makes this sport great. You talk about Oklahoma and Texas had played a, a game this past weekend that was up and down the field. This upcoming matchup will not quite be anything close to that, but that's what makes college football so much fun and so different. So. As always, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with you to, re- to cover that game later in the week on Wisconsin. Mm-hmm.